Well, hello there, everybody, as we are back with another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA, and we're going to start the show in just a minute, but before we do that, this episode of the Extra Rounds podcast is being brought to you by TestStrips.com. That's TestStrips with the Z, ladies and gentlemen, .com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause. That cause is the fight against diabetes. Why would you have extra diabetes supplies to sell? Maybe you've switched brands of testing supplies. Maybe the accumulation and overstock of supplies over time. Maybe the unfortunate news of a relative or a significant other passing away. Whatever that is, you could turn those extra unused supplies into cash. At teststrips.com, they'll buy all major brands of glucose test strips and lancets, including AccuCheck, Bayer, Freestyle, and OneTouch. And they offer a simple-to-use, fully automated platform where individuals can submit sales orders and request prepaid shipping labels to ship your items. Once the package is received, they will send payment within 24 hours via business check or PayPal. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? They will then take those supplies. They will resell them online at significantly reduced prices, sometimes up to 80 to 90% off pharmacy prices. They do that because... They don't want these supplies to go to waste or expire, and they want to create a more affordable market for those who are not covered by insurance. What a company this is. You can learn more by going to teststrips.com, teststripswiththez.com, or calling 855-STRIPS-WITH-THE-Z-1. That's 855-STRIPS-1. Teststrips.com, Better Business Bureau accredited, A-plus rating for over five years. They are affiliated with the American Diabetes Association. They support the Wounded Warrior Project, and they have partnered up with one of the biggest sports radio stations in the country, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. Test strips with a Z.com. Sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause and support a just a fantastic company. Now, let us start the show. Fan-sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA present the Extra Rounds Podcast. Yes, exactly. Let's go get them. Huh? We're going to shake things up. Now, here is your host, Mike Hack. To another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. My name is Mike Heck, broadcasting from our studios here in beautiful Berkshire County, Massachusetts. The weather is beautiful, but for some reason, the way that the season has been playing around with, with me specifically, my allergies are killing me. I don't have much of a voice. I sound like a 16-year-old. We're just going to fight through it because we have an absolutely loaded show. couple pieces of business I want to get to first. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. It is absolutely free. It's very convenient. You just drop the Superman punch on the subscribe button. You get shows immediately upon release. You don't have to worry about downloading them. When we tweet them out, you don't even have to, to click the link or anything because it's automatically going to be uploaded to the device of your choice. And if you leave a five-star rating and some kind words, that stuff goes a long way as well. And I'll shout you out. I'll read you on the air. How about that? Also, I highly recommend you subscribe to the Fansided MMA YouTube page because that page is just incredible. One, you get all of the interviews from the great James Lynch that he does for the website. And I got to be honest with you, as far as on-site coverage of big events... There's a lot of sites that do it very well, and Fansided MMA is one of those sites. So you get a lot of exclusive content, exclusive interviews, so find Fansided MMA, just search it on YouTube, subscribe to the page, 
It's really, it's really going to be worth your time, I promise you. Now we have a loaded episode, like I said. The next time the UFC is back in action will be next Saturday night in Lincoln, Nebraska. UFC fight night in Lincoln on FS1, prelims on FS2 before the main card, and then, of course, the UFC fight pass prelims. And we got a lot to discuss as far as that card goes. And I, I don't... I don't know the whole history of the Extra Rounds podcast, but I'm going to go on a limb here and say this is the most loaded show in the history of the Extra Rounds podcast. I don't know if we've had this many guests on any show that has been done since it has been launched, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But five guests, five interviews on the show tonight. And my goal, ladies and gentlemen, with all of this is for you to listen to this entire episode in a couple of drives at the most. Like, if you have a 30-minute drive to work, I want you to be able to listen to the entire show as you head to work and back. I don't want you to take five days to listen to it. I want to get these interviews done in about an hour. Not that I'm going to be flying through them, but I'm going to get to the meat and potatoes. I'm going to talk to these guys. We're going to have great conversations, and I'm not going to keep you all day long. So I'm going to run down the lineup right now because it's a doozy. Later on in the show, rounding us up, we're going to talk to Andre Touchy-Feely. He's getting ready for the co-main event of UFC Fight Night in Lincoln. He's going to take on Michael Johnson in a big featherweight bout. Before Andre Feely comes on, we're going to talk to his opponent, Michael Johnson. His second fight at featherweight. He's coming off the loss to Darren Elkins back in January in his featherweight debut for the UFC, and he's looking to bounce back, and something tells me he's going to be very hungry. It's a huge fight, maybe a do-or-die situation for the menace. Before that, we're going to be joined by Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall, he's fighting on that card as well. He's going to take on George Sullivan. As it looks right now, they're going to kick off the FS2 prelims. Mickey Gall coming off the first loss of his MMA career. Back in November at MSG to Randy Brown, and he's been doing a lot of different things. He's been a busy guy. I know he's headed out to Los Angeles to to change some things up. Not that he's left his team or anything like that, but he's getting in some different work with the likes of Eve Edwards and Joe Schilling and much more. So we'll talk about what Mickey Gall has been up to as he gets ready to return to the Octagon next Saturday night. Ricky Simone will join the show, coming off a huge win at UFC 227 over Montel Jackson. Not only that, a lot of other good news happened for Ricky Simone that night, and we'll get into all that as well. We're going to kick things off with one half of the main event of UFC Fight Night in Lincoln. A few weeks ago, he talked to James Vick. Now we're going to talk to his opponent. We're going to talk to Justin Gaethje, who needs a victory in his own right. He's one of the most exciting fighters in the world. He's 1-2 and two in the UFC. Of course, he had that great fight with Michael Johnson. That was an all-time classic. He had the all-time classic with Eddie Alvarez. Ended up getting finished in that fight. And then he had a, an incredible fight with Dustin Poirier. Ended up getting finished in that fight. So he needs a win. James Vick's looking for a big-time fight. He's got it. Something's got to give. And that'll be the main event next Saturday night in Lincoln. So we're going to talk to Justin Gaethje coming up next on the Extra Rounds podcast. All right, joining us on the Extra Rounds podcast returns to action next Saturday night in Lincoln, Nebraska. He's going to headline UFC Fight Night Lincoln against James Vick. Huge fight in the loaded UFC lightweight division. We spoke to James Vick a few weeks ago. Let us talk to his counterpart, one of the most exciting fighters in the world. Let's talk to Justin Gaethje, who joins us on the phone. Justin, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for the time. Absolutely. So you're getting ready for your fourth fight in the UFC. It's been one hell of a 13 months for you, hasn't it? I mean, between your debut with Michael Johnson, which was an all-time classic, to the all-time classic with Eddie Alvarez, that incredible fight with Dustin Poirier, it has been quite a ride so far for you. I mean, the record isn't what you were ultimately hoping for, I would assume, but how would you grade your first year in the UFC? Man, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, obviously, not going to give myself a great grade because I got, you know, two, two out of three have been losses, but... Um, 
you know, I'm content with those losses. I'm content with the opposition. Um, so yeah, you know, you can't uh, come in. I wrestled my entire life, and if you let a loss break you, then, uh, you know, it was the wrong sport for you. I, again, I was content with the way I lost. I was content with the fight that I fought. A uh, few, di- you know, few different things um, I could have changed. You know, fighting in the UFC is a, is a different beast. Um, you know, you can't get used to it. You, you don't just get used to this. Um, it takes experience. It takes time. And, uh, you know, I'm learning that uh, no matter how much success you may think you're having in a fight, you cannot become complacent uh, because it only takes one shot and you are fighting the best in the world is there like a particular moment a particular fight something that happened in a build-up i mean if someone were to come up to you and ask you about you know one moment that is etched in your mind from your first year in the ufc what moment would that be man all of this again it's just one big uh it's one big experience so far um i've been in training camp for for 13 months straight but yeah obviously getting that first w um you know was awesome Getting voted uh, fight of the year versus Eddie Alvarez was special, um, you know, and you know, fighting three out of four main events is, is something special. Uh, getting four out of getting four fight bonuses and three fights is something special. So all all these things, uh, you know, are great, and uh, you know, I would never never diminish diminish my accomplishments through through that uh, just because I you know lost twice in a row. Now you move ahead in your career and into year two of your UFC run, headlining another event, like you said, this time in Lincoln, Nebraska, against James Vick, who has been surging up the ranks, looking for a big fight, and now he's got one. How excited are you to get back in there and, and do the damn thing next Saturday night? Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Um, yeah, you know, coming off too long, I'm a competitor. You know, I, I want to get back there. I want to get in the win column. I have to get in the win column, and uh, James Vick is the perfect guy for me. Of course, the initial opponent was Ally Quinta. The fight was signed, sealed, and delivered. And then the night before you guys were supposed to head to Lincoln to start promoting the fight, Ali Quinta was out, Vic was in. I mean, Al's a great fighter, great personality, but he has a bit of history with the organization. When you put pen to paper, was there a part of you that was, I guess, like expecting Ali Quinta to not make it to Lincoln? Like, did you allow yourself to essentially leave your options open? No, I, I, that far out, you know, um, you got to focus on yourself. Um, you know, after you take a month off, it takes you know it takes one or two to three weeks to get back get back in shape, and that's always what the first part of camp is about. Uh, so once I signed that that agreement, it was probably 13 weeks away. So I hadn't even really thought about Al at that point. I didn't care. Uh, you know, if you once you're in the sport for long enough, you understand that you know your opponent can change at any second. I have I have waited in for a fight and then woke up the next day and. Uh, you know, my opponent backed out. So uh, you can't you can't prepare for things. You know, all you can do is is worry about things you can't control. And in this sport, that's not very many things. So uh, it's actually pretty easy. You know, my weight cut, my preparation, um, my game plan, my my mental fortitude, my physical fitness. Uh, those are things I can't control, and those are things that I that I was focusing on from then until now. With James Vick, it seems like there's there's no love lost there. I mean, he was on the show a few weeks back saying that he is actually a fan of yours. He loves watching you fight, and it's not that he doesn't like you. He just feels like you know disrespected by you early in your UFC career. Is it more of it being the fight game when it comes to how you feel about James Vick, or you just not like the guy? Well, I mean, he comes off as kind of a douchebag. <laughs> you know, he he's constantly complaining. Uh, you know, we're supposed to be the toughest of the tough here, and uh, you know. He sounds like a little bitch every time he talks, and I just don't understand how he doesn't understand. You know, he wants to sit here and crap on my uh, the fact that I'm fighting, um, you know, top top opposition. Um, all three of my fights have been against top five ranked guys. 
you know, Michael Johnson isn't ranked in the top five anymore. He's not even in the same weight class anymore. But when I fought Michael Johnson, he was number five. He had just knocked out Dustin Poirier, uh, you know, eight months prior. Um, these are things uh, you can't look past. And, you know, he just doesn't want to take these into account. And I just have no respect for the guy. Personal basis or, uh, you know, especially a personal fighter basis. Is this like, I know it seemed pretty personal between you and Michael Johnson because we had spoke just before that fight. Is, is this similar or is this more personal with Vic than it was with Michael Johnson? It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm almost sounding like James Vic now is, is the bad thing. Um, <laughs> it's not, I don't care. You know, I just, I, you know, he just doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. He sits on our sport constantly. He's constantly complaining about not getting these opportunities when you have to earn these opportunities. I have earned everything I have gotten when, since I got to the UFC. I earned my top three, uh, my, my three opponents that were in the top five. I earned my four fight bonuses in three fights. I earned my fight of the year versus Eddie Alvarez. I earned my third out of fourth headlining event in the UFC, which is none of these things are normal. And if you want to try and diminish them, then I have zero respect for you because you don't get it. And he doesn't get it. I know you've probably seen it. You probably heard it. I mean, people love watching you fight. I mean, James Vick said he loves watching you fight, but people are also, you know, very concerned about some of the damage you've taken in the past. And I know you've addressed that before. And, you know, you see fighters on social media getting trolled by fans all the time. And I'm sure as a fighter, there are some trolls for you as well, but at least from everything that I've seen, it seems like fans of the sport just want the very best for you. Like, you don't see that too often where collectively people just want the best for you. But, you know, when you hear people say these things, when, when you see the concern that these fans and other people have for you, how do you react to that? You know, I'm not sure. You know, it's appreciated. But, uh, again, you know, where are they coming from? Are they coming from an educated standpoint? I've got TKO to my last two fights. That's back. Um you know, there's been numerous champions that have become champions after getting knocked out cold more than two times, more than three times. That is fact. That has happened. Um, you know, as much as I'm a fan of Michael Bisbee, he got flying H-bombed and then came back. You know, this is what we do. This is what we signed up for. And, you know, I don't really take into consideration people talking, you know, court, you know our quarterbacks or you know, quarterbacking from the couch, whatever that fucking stupid saying is. But, you know, you have to know – if you've never done this and you can't understand, I can't expect you to understand, and you can't expect me to respect your opinion if you've never done this. Fair enough. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I have a pretty good memory, but I'm not like uh, like an Ariel Hawani who remembers absolutely everything and every fight and every date and every opponent and all that stuff. Is Vic like the biggest guy you fought as far as like length and reach and height before? Have you fought anybody like that before? <laughs> is there is there anybody else in the in the lightweight division ever that? <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> Have you been working with anyone specifically in the camp to kind of negate those things, or do you just not even think about that? I mean, it's a fight. There's two yeah, people. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, matter. Yeah, I've been definitely been sparring with tall guys, um, many tall guys. I've been, uh, you know, just moving my sparring around. I've been going to Elevation Training Center uh, with at Eastern Training Center here in Denver, uh, the Elevation Fight Team. I was out in Vegas last week at Extreme Couture for a week. And yeah, so I've definitely been traveling around and trying to trying to see different looks and see see taller guys, uh, because yeah, it's it's, it's going to be something different. You know, you can't get used. It's it's not something I can just be used to. I can't be used to fighting somebody that's six foot three, but um, I have knocked someone out that's six three before, so I'm going to do it again. James Vick, obviously, you may have seen on Twitter, he's a big gambling guy and. And his prediction in this fight is to take him in the under as far as how long this fight is going to go. How do you see this all playing out next Saturday? 
man, I don't know. I'm I'm a fighter. He's you know fighters don't you don't say those things. Um, sure, he could you know he could say whatever he wants. I have no prediction. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put him in a fight that he is not prepared for. I'll tell you that he's not mentally prepared for the fight that he's going to have to fight if he wants to get that that W. He's not he's not ready for it. He hasn't you know you didn't you never saw Dustin Poirier or Eddie Alvarez uh, spouting out the things that he is saying because they are top-level athletes. They're some of the best fighters that will ever fight in the lightweight division, and they understand what uh, what you have to go through to fight me. And, you know, James Vick, you know, when he's done, he's not going to walk correctly for a month or two, and, uh, you know, I'm going to find a lot. I'm going to – that will bring a lot of happiness to me knowing that, you know, a week after the fight, he's sitting at home and he can't even comfortably take a shit. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that. James was telling me that when you guys were in Lincoln promoting the fight several weeks ago, you guys were not in the same room together, and he thinks if you were, things might have might have popped off a little bit, and a lot more has been said and done since then. But when you guys square off in Lincoln, has it gotten that personal between you guys where there could be a little bit of animosity spewing over? So, this man is so full of shit. You have to understand. Um, I saw him. Uh, where was it? In L.A. No, not L.A. International Fight Week. I was on the, I was on the uh, elevator. Hold on, big truck passing by me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm on the elevator. Door opens. James Big steps on. He fucking looks at me with this scared ass look. Doesn't say one word. Walks to the back of the elevator and stands there. And you know, so he's full of shit. He's not gonna pop off. I don't fight for free. Uh, if he, you know, but if. If he wanted to assault me, then I would be more than happy to to protect myself. But I don't fight for free. We're not barbarians, you know. I don't. I've never even been in a fight in my entire life. If uh, as much as, as stupid as that sounds, I've never once been in a street fight. Um, that's not what I do. I'm not that kind of person. Um, I'm looking to make money off of his head, and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I that can only happen on one night, August 25th. That man will never pop off to anybody in public. He is a pussy, and he wants. To act like a tough guy and I'm going to prove it to him and to uh, to all his his believers that the man is just not there. He's not he doesn't have it. He doesn't have the mental fortitude that it takes to be a top fighter in the world in the UFC. Last thing for me, I, I asked so fight- the same reason. Hold on. Go ahead. And a good example of that is when he got knocked out by Benil Darius. He didn't even go to sleep and his ass laid there on the mat like a broken like a broken turd for at least 2 minutes. Um what top-level fighter, top-level athlete have you ever seen do that, you know, when they are asleep? Uh, we don't lay there. We get up, we sit on the stool if we have to, and we're up on our feet as fast as we can. He laid on his back for two minutes at least, and uh, that is the definition of someone that is not a fighter inside, and he is not. I love this fired-up Justin Gagey. Last question for me, man, because I do ask fighters this question. I'm not a fighter, so I always try to get the understanding of the game as much as possible, and most of the time I get the same answer, and the answer is every fight is like that. But even though you perform so well, you've had these great fights, and a lot of people loved all of your performances, you have dropped your last two. Do you consider this a must-win fight? Yeah, I mean, three, three in a row in the UFC is a, is a you know, bad number. It's like strike three in baseball, uh, supposedly. But um, the way I fight, uh, you know, they don't have me in my third uh, third main event for no reason. Um, <clears throat> it is a must win. It's always a must win. Obviously, that's that's the right answer here. 
but I'm going out there. I'm going out there more prepared than ever than I have ever been. I feel like uh, mentally, um, I'm going out there facing an opponent that is not the, my last two opponents. He is not Dustin Poirier. He is not Eddie Alvarez, and that is a fact. And um, I'm going to be more than happy to prove that uh, come August 25th. Well, we are looking forward to this fight next Saturday. Justin Gaethje versus James Vick, headlining UFC Fight Night in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can catch all the action on FS1. Justin, truly appreciate the time. All the best to you heading into this big fight next weekend. Awesome. Thank you. There he is, Justin Gaethje, the highlight himself. He is fired up, and I'm fired up just listening to him. Looking forward to that fight next Saturday night in Lincoln, Nebraska. All right, we move ahead to our next guest coming off his seventh consecutive victory. This one at UFC 227 over Montel Jackson. It was an incredible performance. He kept coming and coming and picked up his second UFC victory inside the octagon. Ricky Simone joins us on the show, and a lot has happened since we last spoke. Ricky, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. And I want to start with this because we chatted a little over a year ago. That was the last time we spoke. You beat Donovan Freelo at the Contender Series. You didn't get a contract, but you knew your time was coming, man. Fast forward a year later, two UFC fights, two wins inside the octagon. Is this how you drew it up? Is this what you expected? You know, this is exactly what I expected. I, I, after the Contender Series happened, I was 10-1. and one. I was unsigned, um, and I just, I just decided, like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna watch anyone else live out my dream. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay ready. That's what the UFC told me. So I kept my weight down, and I stayed ready for, you know, uh, nine months. And I and I had I I fought a UFC vet, beat him in a world title fight. I defended my world title fight, got a quick knockout, and then I got a short notice call to the UFC. So. You know, it was a lot of work, but it's worth it, and I'm here now. You've always, at least over the last couple of years, two, three years since we started talking, you've always had this drive, this focus to to get to the UFC. You knew this day would eventually come. And after the Contender Series fight, did did anything change for you in your approach at all? Like, did you ramp things up? Did you start to look at things a little bit differently? Um, you know, I I was I was always kind of the same. I was always kind of let me just fight, you know, I'll, I'll really take any fight I can get. Uh, ever since my amateur career, I've had problems getting people to fight me, you know, and it was no surprise that they got kind of carried over to my, my, uh, my pro uh, career. So, um, so I don't, I don't know. It just that night, it, it really did suck. And, and it just kind of, I mean, if anything, it just, <laughs> it just kind of taught me to seize the moment, you know, and, and enjoy being out there because that was a weird, that was kind of a weird format they had for the contender series. It was all quiet in there, just a few people in the bosses. So, I mean, um, but besides that, you know, I've always been a, a hard worker. I've always had to work for what I've had. You know, and that, I learned that from my dad. So, um, so yeah, I knew I knew that if I just just stayed at it and just kept grinding, that that, that big things were going to come. Let's talk last Saturday. Let's talk UFC 227 because that was some performance over Montel Jackson. I mean, an incredible pace, you said. And I know you're originally scheduled to face Benito Lopez, but he was injured and forced out of the fight. Did the new opponent change? Did, did that change your game plan in the gym as far as your preparation goes? Yeah, I mean, Montel is a lot different than Benito. Um, yeah, they both have height. They both have very long reach. But, you know, Montel's a southpaw, and Montel has phenomenal wrestling. Um, so, yeah, it did kind of, you know throw a wrench in there last, you know, last little bit of training camp. But, you know, when that, when Benito fell out, I, you know, wasn't no surprise. And they sent the first contract over and I, I didn't even care who it was. I signed it and sent it back. Like I, I wanted to stay on the card and I had put too much, uh, you know, effort, money, time 
and, and sweat and blood into this training camp not not to fight. That was Montel's first fight in the UFC, his seventh professional fight in total. Did did anything he do in that fight surprise you at all? Um, you know, I watched Montel fight live for the Contender Series. I, I I like watching that show and I keep up. And I think he was on the first episode, and I was I was very impressed with him. He I, after his fight, I was like, hey, you know, I was like that that guy's going to be good. That's a that's a lot to deal with in the in the bantamweight division. So. Um, the the range was a little difficult, and you know his grip, his hand size, and his grip. I've never really dealt with that. And that's kind of that's that's something that I, you know you'll never really think about to get ready for. But you know he grabbed up on my wrist, and and at first I thought he was grabbing on my gloves just because I could not get my hands back. You know, and I'm a wrestler. I fight I fight for risk control, and and that was that was some that was some different different level of risk. That was a different level of risk control he had. Did at any point in that fight, and it seemed pretty pertinent in my eyes watching that fight, that it definitely happened in the third round, did, did, did you feel like you were just too much with him as far as your pace goes? Like, did you start to feel him? And I don't know if break is the right word, but I guess succumb to your pace. Like, to, the, did you feel him kind of take the foot off the gas, so to speak? I've, I've felt that feeling since I started wrestling at a very young age. I know I know how to get that that response out of people. Uh, I, I, set, I set that pace, and, and, uh, and it's not that I don't think he could – Keep up with it. I just, I really don't think anyone can keep up with that. Uh, it's, you know, I get someone in there for three rounds, and I'm, and I'm gonna figure out what's gonna make you the most tired. You know, Montel didn't want to engage on the feet. He wanted to choose when he, he wanted to strike and engage. So I had to really switch that up on him. And pressure, pressure, pressure. And that was the game plan that we set with my coaches, Fabiano Scherner and Ian Loveland. And, um, and that's what we did, and that's what we got the job done. And, and you know, it, it, it might not have been like. You know the prettiest thing for for some fans, but you know there, I did get a lot of a lot of you know wrestlers and and, and other fighters, and that was those impressive performance because that Montel guy's no joke. What was your team telling you in between the second and third round? Were they saying that it was even? Did they felt like you you won both rounds? What was the conversation like? I, I always ask, and they said that you know it, it, it's been you know close. It's not like I was winning by a landslide, but you know they said uh, I, uh, going into the third, they said I was up two. And uh, they said, but keep the pressure on him. So uh, that's what we did. After the fight ended, there was two different things I was seeing on social media. One was Ricky Simone is an animal. His pace, his style, his performance was fantastic. And the other, and you kind of touched on it, Montel Jackson in a year or two is going to give a lot of people problems. Like, what do you make of that? I mean, you've shared the octagon with him. You've seen potential in him already. Do you see Montel as a guy who could really do some damage in the future after sharing the cage with him? Um you know, I, I, at this level, yeah, anyone could, could make a few changes and do it. But yeah, I, I mean, I feel like Montel has a unique build and uh, and and, uh, and a really good style and base. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, it's important to see what kind of what kind of person you are after a loss, you know, and and how he bounces back from it. But if if he can do all that right, and you know, I'm, I'm, there's no reason why he won't won't be a freaking stud. Now that victory was just the beginning of your night because we saw on social media. You proposed. She said yes, and Ricky Simone is about to become Mr. Ricky Simone. I mean, this is incredible stuff. Like, we saw the photo, but but walk us through this. Like, how did that all go down? Oh, I can't stop winning lately. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, I've been, I've you know, I've been with my girl Jade for for a long time, and uh, you know, I, I've been ready. I've been ready to ask a question, but I, you know, we both we we were both pretty driven people, so. Just that you know the timing was never working out, and you know it's been the time's been going pretty good for me the last uh, you know six months. Things have changed up for me a lot since getting signed to the UFC, and yeah, so I just felt like it was time, and you know it was a perfect night. I was excited. To, I was I was happy to experience that with like you know my brothers, and my my dad, and 
stepmom and all my friends. So, yeah, it was, it was a good night. Was that the plan heading into it, or did you just feel like at that moment, you know what, I'm doing this, this is it, like I know this is the time to do it? Uh, you know, I was carrying around that, that ring for me, and uh, I told myself I'm going to do it no matter what, but um, I, I remember walking out, and I was like, uh, I don't know, I kept telling myself I'd do it no matter what, but then I just hit a, you know, a, a, a thought where I was just like, I'm, this is going to happen. I'm going to go out here, win this fight. And I'm going to go propose. It's going to be a, a damn good night. Have you guys decided on a, on a date? Yeah, maybe not a date because you just got engaged, but will this, will this be a quick engagement? Was this 2019 or are you going to be like, be like Justin Bieber and not be in a hurry at all? <laughs> uh, yeah, I told her whatever she wants. So she's, she's planning for like, uh, she's already looking at dragging me, look at venues and stuff. She's on it. It's kind of girl she is. So, uh, uh, we uh probably thinking like early summer next year. Nice. Well, congratulations, man. I mean, that that is just great stuff. And, you know, as far as getting back in the cage, I know Benito Lopez is a guy on your radar after your debut. Is that a fight you're still looking at, or have you kind of put that in the back burner at this point? You know, when he dropped out again leading into this last fight, I told myself, I'm done with this kid. You know, I've spent a lot of money in, 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 the, in time in training camps fighting, training for him to fight him, and and he just won't show up. I can't make him. I'm, I'm starting to look like a boy, you know. Like, <laughs> I, like, you know, he's a fighter, and I'm looking like he's an undefeated ten and zero fighter, and I'm looking like a boy trying to get this kid to fight me. That's ridiculous, right? Like, it, he said he wanted to fight. If he still wants to fight, uh, <laughs> you know, the UFC was happy with that when they bumped us up to the main card, you know, the day before he dropped out. So there was something in that fight that they like as well. He's a prospect. I'm the prospect. And, you know, and he, he got signed up to go tennis series because of who his team is with a lackluster performance, and I had to take the, the harder road and, and, and get there, you know. So uh, I'm going I'm, I'm gonna to take this up. I'm going to beat all these guys from the contender series and, and show who the, who the real champ of the Bantamweight division from the contender series is and why, why the UFC messed up not signing me last summer. So you hear people talking about being, like, the, the legend killer and things like that. You're going to be the contender series killer? Yeah, contender series killer, prospect killer. I'm just <laughs> waiting for everyone else to realize that I'm the prospect in the band of weight division. I'm the new blood. They, they had their hyping up everyone else, but they'll jump on. Everyone's going to jump on. Realistically, you know, perfect date, perfect opponent, perfect card. When would you like to get back in there? Do you have somebody in mind you'd like to to share the cage with? Yeah, no, that's it. My goal is to to make <laughs> little B take that walk. You know, let, let, let's finally get this done. I'm a nice guy. Uh, I'm willing to give him another chance. You know, I feel bad. He probably had his ankle elevated on his lazy boy at home watching me live out his dream and cash his check. So, you know, I feel bad for the kid. I'll give him another shot. I would like to fight, you know, towards the end of this year and, uh, you know, get paid one more time in 2018. Final question. A lot happened in L.A. between the fight itself and the and the post-fight greatness, the engagement and everything. If you could describe that weekend, that night in particular, in one word, what would it be? Oh man, that is that is a tough one. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I just, it just, it, it, there's not like a. I can't think of one word, but it just felt, you know, I felt right. I felt like I was like, you know, it, it, that was all supposed to happen. It's been everything I've done has been leading up to that point, and you know, I, I, I believe this is where I should be, and you know, these things should be happening for me. So it just felt right. Ricky Simone, everybody. He's got a wedding to prepare for, which is a husband myself and someone who is also in the industry for the time being anyways. 
It can be stressful at times, but I'm telling you, Ricky, the preparation is something that you're going to remember. It's always something that you that, that all grooms, all brides, they take for granted as it's happening. No doubt about it. So enjoy the victory. Enjoy the ride. I appreciate the time. Congratulations on everything. And from the first time we spoke just before Titan FC 35 in September 2015 to where you are now, this has just been an incredible run for you. Congratulations on all the success, and thank you again, Ricky. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate that. There he is, Mr. Well, the sooner be Mr. Ricky Simone. What a what a weekend it was for him last weekend. Gets the big win at UFC 227, puts the ring on her finger. She says yes, and wedding bells are in the air for Ricky Simone. So congratulations to him on all the success. I've been talking to Ricky for, for a long time now, and just incredible to see, you know, when you start talking to these guys, when they're in the regional promotions like the Titan FCs and the CESs and things like that, and they really start to climb up and they end up in these positions. It's it's pretty amazing stuff. So um, Ricky Zimone, everybody. I mean, what a journey it has been, and I'm very happy for him, and he's definitely someone to keep an eye on at 135 pounds. All right, Jam Pack Show continues. Let's move ahead to our next guest. I'm very excited to talk to him. It has been a minute since we spoke to him, and he's going to be back inside the Octagon next Saturday night in Lincoln, Nebraska. He's going to take on George Sullivan. He's a guy who was on my old show quite a few times. We've had some memorable conversations, and for the first time on the newly relaunched Extra Rounds podcast, happy to welcome Mickey Gall to the show. Mickey, how's it going, man? Good. What's up, Mike Heck? Not much, my man. Uh, b- b- before we get into everything, get into the fight, I-, I thought of you the other day because I saw that your man LJ Raboli is about to make his professional debut next month for Maverick MMA, and this is really exciting stuff. You've been raving about this guy since we started chatting. How excited is he, and how excited are you for this? I'm pumped, man. Uh, it, you know, he's ready. He's excited. He, he's a beast. He's just gonna, he gets better by the minute. Um. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Uh, you know, September 22nd, uh, we'll, uh, the whole crazy New Jersey crew will be out to watch him. And also Chris Grisalo. Um, so, you know, they're, they're both fighting on that card. I think we got Russ Corbel fighting, too. Uh, we'll be rolling deep out into Pennsylvania. Yeah, Maverick's a great organization. I talked to Scott Heckman a couple months ago. Uh, really great guy, really well-run organization. So we obviously wish your team the best of luck. But I know from the last time we spoke that you must be even more excited that you're getting back in there to compete. I mean, you wanted to be ready for that phone to ring for a short-notice opportunity. It didn't happen, and now you have a fight next weekend. How excited are you to to get back in there and do your thing? I'm pumped, man. I, I've been working hard. I'm, I'm on my way. Uh, I'm actually out in L.A. right now. Uh, I, just came, I just came from uh, training with Jason Manley at the, the Muscle Farm facility out here. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been training a lot out here with uh, like Joe Schilling who's, you know, bad motherfucker. And uh, I've been training a lot with Eve Edwards, who's like a, a le- you know, who's like a genius of the sport. Um, so, yeah, man, I've been, I've been you know, I've, uh, I've, I've uh, diversified my training a little bit, gotten some work with some tougher dudes, going with, you know, UFC guys on the regular. Um, as you know, I got a great team at home, but, we're, you know, we're a young team. And I, I've, you know, put myself in a, in a position where I'm just I'm training with some more experienced guys, and uh, you know it's going great. I'm 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 growing at a more rapid rate. You're like the the fresh prince of MMA, man. You're you're heading out rest to to, to link up with everyone with Eve and, and Joe Schilling, uh, and yeah. really just trying to put a fresh coat of paint on the on the artistry that is Mickey Gall. Is that accurate? You just need uh, th- that extra fresh coat of paint, so to speak. Always, man. You got to keep moving. You got to keep evolving. You got to keep uh, you know becoming a better. Better ver- the, my my job is to get as good as I can as fast as I can. So I'm just you know I'm trying to expedite the process every day. That's my job. So 
I'm always trying to, you know, add new wrinkles and, uh, you know, keep it, get out of my comfort zone, keep, you know, keep, keep growing. I know you, you, you try to do, I mean, it's not, not the same exact thing, but I know you tried to do that a little bit in the past, going to different gyms to get in work, like ATT and TriStar, to name a couple different places. What's different about, about this time around and what you've been doing in this time around as opposed to those other ones? Um, I, I don't, I guess it's, it's all, it's all similar, but, um, you know, I, I actually, I'm, 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 I have a, I'm staying in a house out here now. I would like, I was staying like the dorms at those gyms and it was always kind of a temporary, like, you know, a couple of weeks here and there. This is a little more long-term. Like I, I'm, I'm actually, uh, me and Eve Edwards are roommates now. So I'm, I'm in, uh, me and him are sharing a house and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm training every day with, with Joe Schilling. Uh, I'm, I'm training, uh, you know, with Eve, Jason Manley, just a bunch of, just a bunch of, you know, killers. And, you know, so I guess there's a little, little bit more of a, a like a longer term. Like I'm, I'm legitimately splitting my time here between here and Jersey. Whereas before I would just like go away for like uh, a week or two to try star or to American top team. So I guess just, you know, um, I'm immersing myself a little, a little, uh, more. Is that something you plan on doing more, just kind of going back and forth, or can you eventually see yourself being a being a, a Los Angeles guy? Nah, man, I, I, I don't I don't think I could ever really leave Jersey. That's uh, that's me. That's my people. That's you know, that's my my friends, my family. Um, but I, you know, I'm gonna be training out here indefinitely. Have you felt kind of a change within yourself over the last several months? I mean, you, you obviously sound like the same guy, but, you know, there has been a, a lot of learning going on right now. I know you, you suffered your first setback with the Randy Brown fight, a lot of uncharted territory for you. Have you felt a change within yourself since November, not just physically and, you know, in competition, but just, you know, with you in general? Um, I don't know. I, I'm still the same guy. Uh, and, you know, you're still going to see the same fighter just with, you know, I'm going to have some fat trimmed off my techniques. I'm going to have a, a few new techniques. I'm going to... I'm just I'm just becoming a better version of myself. So I guess if changing is just that, I'm just becoming a better version of myself. And I, you know, uh, I'm I, I plan on always doing. That. I think that's that's my job. You know, that's that's our job in life, just to keep evolving, and keep getting better. You get George Sullivan, a, a fellow Jersey guy in Lincoln, Nebraska. When when you were off of this fight, were you surprised the opponent only because the UFC has has really done a better job in terms of putting hometown guys on maybe not always essentially hometown cards, but at least close to hometown. You know, like Vegas aside, was that surprising at all in that regard to to get George? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a little, it was a little weird sending two Jersey guys out to fight in the cornfields of Nebraska, <laughs> but uh, you know, I you know it's it's cool. I. I I like this fight. Um, kind of exciting for me because I, I, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with George Sullivan being uh, a Jersey guy, him being a Jersey guy too. You know, I, when I first started training, he's a little older than me, so when I first started like training and like getting ready to fight, like I, he was an established local guy. Like he was the, the CF, he was a regional champ, champ of like CFFC, um, and then he got called to the UFC. So I, I you know. At that point, like he was ahead of me, and I kind of like looked up to him, like, "Oh, I'm going to be like that guy. I'm going to be the champ, and I'm going to get the UFC." And uh, now I get to kick his ass on TV, so it's cool. So he wasn't like a like a guy you idolized, but it was a guy you were paying attention to. Was it in a way kind of like you know, if he's doing it, I can do it too? Did it kind of help you out in that sense? Yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, uh, I, I guess so. I, I just you know, I thought it was cool. I was like, "Yeah, here's this guy, local guys from you know, a little close to me doing it," and and I, I knew I was going to do it too. And, you know, so I, I you know, I, I got respect for him and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's business in the cage. It's business and violence in the cage. 
Did you ever think you'd be fighting George Sullivan? I mean, you're a young guy, but as you're you're watching him and you know he's being one of the best, if not the best guy on the scene at the time, did you think to yourself, you know, someday I I would love to fight George Sullivan? Um, I don't I don't know I I don't know I not not really I didn't really think about it I you never know there's just so many guys you I guess you always think about fighting I I don't know I. I uh, I guess I didn't really think about it, but I, I think it's cool now that it, it came up and they were like, hey, we want you to do this fight. I was like, cool. I mean, you were probably yeah. ready to take anybody at that point, right? Yeah, bro. So I was, you know, <laughs> like, you, like you said before, I, I've been trying to fight since uh, since winter. As far as professional MMA experience goes, George has more of that experience than your previous five opponents combined, or it's pretty damn close. Like, you're obviously a very confident guy, but in terms of growth and taking on someone with that kind of experience for the first time, does it change your approach at all, knowing that you're fighting a guy who's been through a lot in this game? Do you consider this a learning experience no matter what? Um, yeah, I can. I, do I consider it a learning experience no matter what? Yeah. Yes, I guess so. You know, it's just, but it's just a fight, and I, I think I'm I'm a I'm a better fighter everywhere. I'm you know, I'm younger, I'm more athletic. I I I, I can I can hit harder than him. I could uh, I could strangle better than him. I could you know all that shit. So I'm you know it's just a fight, and I, I'm I'm the better fighter. So I know I know heading into your last fight with Randy Brown, you you were really focusing on on different aspects of of training and everything like strength and conditioning. Nutrition was was different than it was before. Getting a lot stronger, more explosive. Has that been continuing for this camp as well? Yep. Yep. Doing all this shit, man. Everything. You've been pretty good at calling your shot in your career so far. I mean, still putting up Hall of Fame-like numbers in that sense, in my opinion. But do you have a shot to call with this fight? I mean, do you see this thing going down a certain way next Saturday? Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't really. I see it going a bunch of ways. I guess, I guess that's always my answer. I, I, I see. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to really crack them. I really think I'm gonna let out a big shot, and it, you know, I like, I people are gonna take notice. You don't have to say, nor would you to me or anybody else, anyways. But if all goes well next Saturday night, do you have a guy in mind for next? I mean, I assume you'll Come be shooting for MSG. You know I know. I I, mean, know I just want to make sure. You know, things th- things change, <laughs> yeah, things course. evolve. You got it. You got somebody in mind. Yep. And you're not gonna tell oh, me, are you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I gotta like, what else has been going on, my man? Like, I feel like we only get to chat like once a year these days. You obviously have been doing a, a lot over the last several months, but anything else really exciting going on with you? Uh, no, nothing too much. You know, same stuff. I, the LA, you know, transitioning to uh, splitting time out in LA. That's, I guess, that's that's the biggest change. But other than that, you know, it's business as usual, same stuff. Just you know, training and getting better. What's being uh, Eve Edwards' roommate like? Is it uh, is it a fun time? Could we see uh, like a reality show down the road, maybe? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's uh, he's great. Uh, he's a great guy. Really good person. Very smart. Uh, funny. You know, we we laugh a lot. We you know we watch fights. We talk fights. We talk everything. We you know we we watch the same silly shows. We watch everything. He's just he's just a great guy and 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 a good guy for me to a good role model for me to be around. That's great, man. And. Very exciting stuff. The return of Mickey Gall to the Octagon. Oh, I, I have to be honest. I haven't really been checking everything out on social media, full disclosure, pictures and all that stuff. But are we still rocking the, the facial hair? Mm-mm. All gone? No, nah, it's been gone. That's been gone. When did that, go, when did that all go? Uh, I think the same month as my last fight. 
So back 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 to clean shaven Mickey Gall. Same hair, but just the 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 the, the shaved face now. Yeah, yeah. Back to back to the clean cut kid. <laughs> well, man, I know you're a busy yeah, guy, and uh, I didn't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, I'm glad we got to chat and uh, and get you on the show for the first time, man. You know, we you were on the old show a few times, and you know, a lot of great things have happened, a lot of great moments, and now we made our first moment on the new platform. So I appreciate the time, man. I wish you all the best as always, and we'll see you next Saturday as you take on George Sullivan in Lincoln, Nebraska. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. And yeah, always, always happy to talk with you and congrats on the new show, my man. Thank Do you, my friend. Thing. All right, later, Mike. All right, there he is. Young Mickey Gall, everybody, on the newly relaunched Extra Rounds podcast. He gets ready to take on George Sullivan in Lincoln, Nebraska next Saturday night. And from the looks of it, I know originally it said he was him and Sullivan were going to kick off the UFC Fight Pass prelim card. That is obviously not the case. Um, and as it looked as I look today, uh, that's going to kick off the FS2 prelims. Uh, before the main card. So, I mean, obviously these lineups change all the time and things could get shuffled up, fight could get lost, and they could get bumped up. Who the hell knows? But uh, as it looks right now, uh, Gall versus Sullivan will be kicking off the FS2 prelims. So a big thank you to Mickey Gall for coming on in and chatting with us on the show. All right, let us move ahead to our next guest, who will also be competing at UFC Fight Night in Lincoln next Saturday night. And the co-main event, he's going to take on Andre Feely in a big featherweight bout. And I believe this is the first time I've had the chance to speak with the menace, Michael Johnson, and he joins us on the phone. Michael, how are you, man? Good, good, man. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Back in action next Saturday night. You're sticking at 145 pounds, taking on Andre Feely. How are you feeling right now, less than two weeks away from this big fight? Um, hungry. <laughs> yeah, hungry, hungry for food, hungry for uh, for war. You know, I'm hungry for for battle. I'm ready to go in here and um, really prove not only others wrong but myself wrong. You know, and um, you know, just just I'm I'm ready. You know, that's all it is. Now. I've been focused and I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, obviously, it's no secret that it's been a bit of a tough stretch for you over the last couple of years. You had that incredible performance against us in Poirier, and then you ended up dropping your last three. And they were against some heavy hitters, no doubt about that, but it probably doesn't feel any better, you know, despite who you who you were up against. But have you approached this fight mentally in a different way as you try to get back into the win column? Yeah, yeah, definitely approach it uh, different mentally because that's where my losses stem from. You know, it's nothing that I'm outmatched or that I just got beat. You know, I'm beating myself in my last three fights. You know, things didn't go my way, and, uh, you know, I'm dealing with it. But now I'm really focused. I'm settled back down, and, uh, you know, I'm ready to get back to my winning ways. Obviously, the organization, despite the three losses, is still seeing something in you to put you in this spot in the co-main event on an exciting card like this. But do you feel like this is, as far as the organization goes, do you feel like this is a do-or-die fight for you next Saturday? Yeah, um, I do for sure. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're thinking of it that way, but um, you know, I can't go down four fights like that, man. I have to go out here. I have to get a win, and um, you know, just like I said, I have to prove. So yeah, it's definitely do or die. You dropped down to featherweight for your last fight. You fought Darren Elkins back in January, and that guy is just so durable and tough. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, you hit him with some big shots in that first round. After spending such a long time at 155, did, did you learn a lot from the drop to 145? Did you take a lot away from that fight with Darren Elkins? Um, you know, it was just like any other fight. You know, um, I dropped down to 45, you know, just so I could, you know, see some, some get a different feel. You know, I wanted to see if I could make the weight, and I got down there. Um, you know, what I learned from that fight is, you know, I need to just stay focused and not rush myself. You know, I rushed on the ground. He took my back. I made a little mistake, and, um, 
I gave up the takedown. You know, I kind of like slipped and took myself down. So I just need to, um, you know, be very cautious and uh, stay focused. You know, that's where it sits with me. You get Andre Feely, a guy who for a long time was was flip-flopping wins and losses, and he's on a two-fight winning streak right now. Just picked up that win over Dennis Bermudez. It was a pretty controversial decision because a lot of people had Bermudez winning that fight, and that obviously creates a better opportunity for you taking on a guy who's on a winning streak. But what do you make of Feely as an opponent and what he has done recently? Yeah, uh, Philly's a great opponent. You know, he's a, he's a great striker. He's got um, you know, he's got wrestling behind him. You know, he's very dangerous. Um, he's a dangerous opponent. You know, he's tricky. He's long, but um, he's fighting a different animal in me right now, man. I'm so focused and on point and ready to come back in here and prove that um, I belong at the top where I am. So um, you know he's in for he's in for a good night. I mean, is this the is this the perfect kind of matchup in your opinion to get back on track? I mean, styles make fights. You hear that all the time. But when you look at the resumes, the styles, all that, does this one just seem right to you to get back to your winning ways and get back on track? Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems right. Um, you know, he's on his momentum, and you know he's an opponent to where he doesn't you know pose any like great great danger. But he's you know very well talented. And he's decent everywhere. You know, he's well-rounded. And it's going to be incredible for me to go in here and get a win over a guy that has a name behind him and a guy that um, can fight, you know, and these are the guys that I like to fight. What glaring advantages do you do you have in this fight, in your opinion? Uh, the same advantage I have in every of my fights, you know, my speed and my movement and, um, you know, my hands. You know, those are my advantages. You know, we've been wrestling a lot, so, you know, I'm prepared for his wrestling because I know he's going to come and wrestle me. You know, not many guys will sit there and strike with me, so, um, you know, we're prepared to go in here and um, we're prepared for battle. For you to feel like you're, you're, you're back in the fold, you're back on track, for you to feel like your time is now to make a run at 145, how does this thing need to play out? Like, is a win alone enough here, or do you need to go out there and really create a highlight next Saturday? Um, I go to create highlights, you know. Um, I, I don't look to just go in there and just win. You know, I want to make statements. You know, I want to go in here and prove to Philly that he doesn't belong in there with me, that every, every, I'm beating him everywhere. You know, that's what needs to happen. I need to make a statement. When you play this fight out in your mind, when you, when you visualize everything and, and kind of see how it all goes, how do you see it ending? Like, is there a particular way it happens, or did you see your hand raised and a microphone in your face afterwards? I'm just seeing my hand raised. You know, I'm not seeing any way this fight goes. I just know I'm going to go in here and I'm going to go to work. And whatever happens, um, happens. I just know I'm going to be on the one my hand raises at the end. 145, the featherweight division is just is a much different landscape than it was a few years ago. I mean, you got Holloway as the champion, you got Ortega, but then you have some some of those familiar faces and names with Aldo and Stevens and some others and some other guys like Zabit making his way up as well. I mean, do you see this fight as not just an opportunity to get back on track, but as a huge opportunity to really make some noise here and get on that 145 pound radar? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I've already. Regardless if I lost my last fight, it was against Elkins, who's very tough, but I'm already on the 145 radar. You know, I came down from a very high position at 55 where I've beaten most of the guys, you know, in the a few of the guys in the top five I've beat, you know, so we're going to just say that. And um, I'm on that radar, so this fight definitely just gets me back on the win column and it gets a little bit of uh, pressure off my chest, you know. I know you're not looking past Andre Feely here. He's a very tough guy, but do you have an idea of the direction you'd like to go if all goes well next Saturday night, Lincoln? Or are you kind of taking the, 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 the Bill Belichick approach, going a fight at a time until it's on to the next one? Yeah, uh, yeah you know, we're just going to fight, and then we're going to get ready for whoever's next. 
a quick turnaround is what I'm looking to do. Final thing, man, I appreciate the time. MMA fans can be fantastic, but they can also be quite brutal at times. What's the message for the fans, for people who may have, I guess, turned on you, jumped off the bandwagon, so to speak, for those who, who are doubting you right now? What's the message to those folks heading into this fight? Um, for the guys who jumped off the bandwagon or doubted with me, um, the message is simple. Stay off the bandwagon. <laughs> you, know, um, you, you know, stay the fuck off. You know, keep your back turned to me. Because, um, you know, the people that are, are there with me and support me, that I know are there with me and support me will always um, be there with me, win or lose. So don't worry. Uh, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a downhill right now, but I'm coming up, and this is going to be the start of it. I'm going to be chatting with Feely a little bit later on. Do you, do you have a message for him or anything you'd like to say to Andre Feely? Yeah, I had nothing to say to him at all. I'll see him next weekend. All right, Michael Johnson, everybody, getting ready to face Andre Feely in the co-main event of UFC Fight Night, Lincoln, Nebraska, next Saturday night on FS1. Big fight in the UFC featherweight division. Michael, thank you for the time. All the best to you next Saturday night and for the rest of your camp. All right, thank you, Ross. Appreciate it. All right, there he is, Michael Johnson. Big opportunity for him. Really needs to get back on track, really needs a win, and he's going to get that opportunity. He gets a very game, very tough Andre Feely on his first winning streak in the UFC. That is a very interesting fight, and I like that it's in the co-main event spot. It's a big one. And I want to thank Michael Johnson for the time as he gets ready for that big fight next Saturday night. All right, well, speaking of Andre Feely, let us get his side of things as he's going to be the guy standing across the octagon from Michael Johnson next Saturday night in Lincoln, Nebraska. Andre, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Big fight coming up for you. Co-main event with Michael Johnson. But I want to go back a little ways because after the fight with Calvin Cater, you came back with that great performance against Artem Loboff. And everything you did in there, everything you said, to me, I think that was the day that everything really changed and you officially turned that corner. Do you feel the same way? Was that a night where you kind of recognized that, you know, I'm not just a guy with, with all this talent, but I can really go on a run here? I feel like that was the time for you. Yeah, it's something that, you know, I've always believed in myself. I've always believed that I, I'm... I'm the best 145-pound fighter in the world. I can beat anyone in the division. It's just ups and downs of the sport, man. You know, I kind of had trouble finding my rhythm there. Um, I feel like I found it now, and uh, I'm just going to keep it going, man. My my preparation has been so good. I just just want to go perform. I just want to get out there. I want to get this win, man. I'm ready. I've been ready. You're coming off that win over Dennis Bermudez earlier in the year. This is your first winning streak in the UFC, and the fights for you just keep getting bigger and bigger for you these days. Was that something you thought about at all as far as trying to get on a winning streak and really taking that step forward? Did that weigh you down at all? No. It inspires me, man. It gets me pumped. Like, I want to fight the best people in the world. Like, otherwise, what's the point? Like, everyone in the UFC is tough. Everyone has got something to prove. Everyone is 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 keeping it everything they have so if, if you're going to be if you're going to get locked in a cage and fight another man it better mean something you know what i'm saying like you might as well fight the best in the world like i'm trying to be the baddest motherfucker in there so you know if you're not if you're not beating the best guys in the world if you're not fighting the best guys in the world what's the point like i'm not here to be a regular dude i want to be a world champion i'm going to be a world champion within the year so I got to I got to beat these top top ranked guys, you know. And you get Michael Johnson. I mean, his last fight was against Darren Elkins, a fellow team alpha male guy. Obviously, you and Darren are two different people. You're two different fighters, but he has shared the cage with Michael Johnson. Is he a guy you look to for advice as you've been preparing for this thing? Yeah, definitely, man. Elkins is uh is a great fighter. He's a great dude. I consider him a friend, you know. He great teammate. He, you know, even if I wasn't fighting Michael Johnson, I learned a lot from I learned a lot from him. I pretty much learned something from Darren Elkins every time we roll. You know, he's got he's just 
he's done this for so long. He's got so many crafty little tricks, and and and, and he's just such a, a a hard worker. He he's he's amassed this like wealth of knowledge. So every time every time I roll with Darren Elkins, every time I get around with him, you know, we 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 trade some knowledge, you know. So, um, especially fighting Michael Johnson, he's had a lot of insight for me, and. Um, been good yeah it's a, he's, he's a great teammate to have what, what are your thoughts on michael johnson as an opponent and as a fighter i mean obviously he, he's had a tough run as of late but he said you know when i asked him about you he said you're a very tough guy very tough opponent but you are also the perfect opponent for him to get back to his winning ways what, what do you think of michael johnson as a fighter and as your next opponent yeah i'd say the same thing about him except instead of getting back to my winning ways i'm going to stay on my winning ways keep the ball rolling but i'd say the same thing about him i think he's dangerous i think he's exciting i think he's He's a, he's a great fighter, you know, and I'm, I'm excited to go in there and, and finish him. Like, I'm going to go in there and knock him out. That's it. That's all there is to it. I, I, there's no, I don't have another option. That's it. I thought that's, I'm going to knock him out in a week. I know you have, you just said you have aspirations of becoming the 145-pound champion in the UFC within a year. What does a win, in your opinion, over Michael Johnson do for you and your position in the landscape of the UFC featherweight division moving forward? You know, it's, it's like one of those things you can sit and map out. Like, I knock Michael, I'm going to knock Michael Johnson out in a week. And then I'm going to ask for a top 10, top 5 guy, and I'm going to knock them out. And I think I'm, in, I'm right there in line for a title shot uh, or, clo- or real close to it. Uh, it's definitely within reach within the year. I just, I, just, I just not focused on that right now, man. I'm only focused on my performance. I'm focused on my preparation and focused on my performance, man. The only thing I care about is what I can control, like, I stopped giving a shit about the rankings and numbers next to people's names. I stopped giving a shit about career paths and, and making sure that you say the right things or, 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 or do this. And like, I just, I don't give a shit about anything anymore except winning fights. Like all I care about is winning fights. So I'm just going to keep winning fights and it'll get to a point where they can't deny me that title shot. And then I'm going to win that belt. And after that, I don't know, do whatever I want from there. You know, like, <laughs> use that to sprint for Use that to springboard into a bunch of other things. I have a lot of other things I plan on doing after fighting, and um, I need that world title to be able to springboard into those things. So, um, you know, I have a plan. I have this 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 uh, life that I'm going to build for myself. But right now, all I'm focused on is this one fight in a week. When did that mentality for you change? I mean, you, you talked about you know, essentially just not giving an S about any of this stuff anymore. It's all about winning fights and, and really focusing on that. When did that really start changing for you mentally? I don't know, man. I, I would say maybe the last few months, six to eight months, maybe a little longer. I just start, like, it's been a process, you know, to really, you know, very few things happen overnight. It's been a process. Like, first you have to recognize something, and then you have to really understand how to change it and then put it into practice. And at this point, it's just like I'm only focused on what I can control, you know, and I'm aware of what I can control, and that's that's my preparation and my performance. And, you know, the people I choose to surround myself with and all kinds of other stuff, like all these little decisions that I can make, you know, and that, that's all I can control. I can't control anything else. So I'm only going to put my energy into those things. When I asked Michael this question, he said, in his opinion, it was very obvious. His speed, his power, his abilities with the striking on his feet. When you look at this fight, what are the glaring advantages you see in your game that, that can shut him down? I can beat him everywhere. I, I, can, I can beat him everywhere. I can beat him standing. I can beat him on the ground. I might, I might, Kickbox him, but I might kickbox with him for 15 minutes. I might outstrike him for 15 minutes just to prove a point. I might take him down and tap him. I, I can do anything I want in there, you know. Like I'm, I'm just so 
I'm just so focused. I'm laser sharp right now. I've been working my ass off, sharpening all my all my weapons, and you know, I'm just gonna go in there and fight. Like I'm just gonna go in there and have fun. Like I'm gonna go in there, go on autopilot, and just do whatever I want to do. You know. And you get to do it in the the co-main event spot, your first co-main event in the UFC. How excited are you for that confidence the UFC has in you in this fight? And how excited are you to get this bit of a boost into a pivotal spot like this? I think uh, my fight with Bermuda's was actually co-main event as well. It just only it was just only co-main event because someone got injured and they took it off the fight. So, ah, okay. Uh, that was actually I only say that because that was actually a thing from a real like it was like a real uh, life lesson doesn't feel right, but that's the that's the that's the thing that comes to mind. That was kind of a, a little life lesson. Like I was the third or fourth. So I was like the third or fourth last fight to last fight on the car when I fought Bermudez. And then someone got injured and the fight got pulled and they bumped us up to co-main like the week of. And then I had a bunch of people asking me how it felt to be co-main. But it's like, I'm not, I wasn't co-main. I'm only co-main because something else, like, like it doesn't mean anything, you know, like it means nothing. Like it's just, it doesn't mean anything. All that matters is winning the fight, you know, like that, that was the thing, like, People started asking me how it felt to be the co-main event, but, like, I'm only the co-main event because someone got injured or a fight got dropped. Like, two days ago I wasn't co-main event. Like, it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean anything. You can be the first fight, the last fight, whatever. Like, the only thing that matters is winning the fight. That's it. It doesn't matter who's watching or what you're getting paid or, or any of that shit. Like, I mean, all those things are, are, are factors that you can deal with when you're outside of camp, but I'm a week away from the fight. Like, nothing matters now except, except the fight and winning. Do you see this thing going down in a certain way next Saturday? I mean, do you visualize something, or are you just going to let the chips fall where they may next week? Well, I see a couple different paths that if I could take, but they all lead to me finishing Michael Johnson. A couple more things before we wrap up, and, and I want to thank you for coming on so close to the fight. We, we spoke after you went against Artem Lobov, and you discussed your post-fight speech and how those amazing words really came to be. You also talked about the impact Hurricane Maria had on you and those close to you. And a really good friend of yours, his, his family had lost everything due to the impact of that of that hurricane. It was really horrible stuff. But how have things been since then, and were you guys able to accomplish some of the things that you wanted to? Yeah, it was one of my best friends. Uh, he's actually headed out to Puerto Rico to visit his family. Um, he goes out there a few times a year. He's, he's actually, I just talked to him yesterday. He's headed out there to go see his family um, Friday, I believe. Tomorrow, I believe, he flies out. But, uh, you know, from what I from what he's told me, his family's doing good. They're rebuilding their home and and trying to get back to some some uh, normality. And you know, they're persevering. They're tough people. You know, they're 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 resourceful and and they're not letting it keep them down. You know, and we were able to raise we were able to raise a good a good chunk of money to help them out. And um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a good thing, man. Like his family's doing well, and and he's going to see him soon. So yeah, so as Everything I've heard, everything I've heard has been positive. You know, it's obviously a tough thing to come back from, but it seems like they're doing it. That's great news, man. That's great to hear. And, and last thing I want to ask you, because right before I let Michael Johnson go, I asked him if he had anything he'd like to say to you. If he had a message for you, he said, "I have nothing to say. I'll see you next week." That's all he wanted to say to you. Is there a message for Michael Johnson? Anything you want to say heading into next weekend? No, that's it. That's it, man. All there is. All, all, that's, all that's left is the fight. That's what we like to see. Next Saturday, co-main event. We're going to see Andre Feely versus Michael Johnson, UFC Fight Night in Lincoln. Always great talking to you, sir. Excited for you to get to the spot with Michael Johnson. It's going to be a great fight. And we wish you all the best in the cage and heading into Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir.
There he is, Andre Touchy Feely, the greatest nickname in the history of mixed martial arts. And it was great having him on the show. And that's it. I think we accomplished our goal. We did a few minutes over. Hour and three minutes. I'll take it. What a show it has been. Big thank you to Andre Feely. Big thank you to Michael Johnson. Best of luck to both of those guys next Saturday in Lincoln, Nebraska. Best of luck to Mickey Gall, who takes on George Sullivan. Thank him for coming on the show as well. Congratulations to Ricky Simone on everything, on the win at UFC 227, on the engagements, the upcoming nuptials, and all that. And a big thank you to Justin Gaethje, and best of luck to him as he takes on James Vick next Saturday in the main event of UFC Fight Night in Lincoln, Nebraska. And a big thank you to all of you guys for downloading and subscribing to the show. It means a lot. Please leave a five-star rating. And if you haven't subscribed on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It takes you two seconds to get the shows immediately upon release. And a big thank you to our sponsor, TestStrips.com. TestStripsWithTheZ.com. Managing diabetes is your business and making it affordable is theirs. You can turn your extra unused diabetes supplies into cash. Up to $50 per box. They're growing rapidly because they're a fantastic company. For more information, go to TestStripsWithTheZ.com. Bellator back in action on Friday night. Bellator 204. Darian Caldwell. Back up to 145. James Gallagher drops to 135. Logan Storley's on that card. Should be a lot of fun. And then the UFC's back next weekend. I will drop a little nugget for you, speaking of Bellator. Next week on the Extra Rounds Podcast, Jack Swagger is going to be on the show. And for the rest of the lineup, make sure you follow me on Twitter at MikeHeck underscore JR. Follow the show at Extra Rounds. We are out of here. See ya.